You're listening to The Breakfast Show um, this morning. It is 8.04am and you have Danuta and Lawson on the show today. It is come time for our next quiz question, please. Yeah, absolutely. Our next quiz question is this. When the Jews asked for a sign, Jesus said he would raise up a destroyed temple in how many days? If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669. That is the number to text. Text that number with the correct answer. You go into the draw to win none other than one of two amazing 1,000-piece puzzles, which would just be awesome to do. Like, it'd just be amazing to have. Just mm. some puzzles that you can do with your friends. You can Great do time with to your connect, family, hey? especially over the Christmas period. Like you've got time, guys. Like I know we all work and we all have responsibilities, but there will come a time in which those things fade away, and we've got time to spend time with one another, to challenge our brain as well, you know. And hey, we've got an amazing gift for you here that will be able that you'll be able to utilize at that time for your benefit and for your blessing. But the way to obtain this gift unfortunately we're not giving it out by grace there's a draw you know it's not a free gift of grace to everyone we are not god uh we we unlike god who can provide salvation for everyone we have a limited budget so, we, we do so, have a limit so, so yeah never mind so guys uh yeah we're gonna spin the wheel tomorrow and so you need to answer questions to get in for the prize draw that's going to happen but again that question was when the jews asked for a sign Jesus said he would raise up a destroyed temple in how many days? 0491-064-669. That is the number to text. And I know you said earlier in the week, Lawson, that like, you know, you, you're, you don't like to do puzzles that much. You do the outside of it and that's oh, yeah, it. Yeah. You leave I'm the a, rest. So here's I'm, my I'm question. I'm an edge piece specialist. Here's, yeah, <laughs> edge piece. There you yeah. go. So here's my question to you. What kind of games do you like doing? Because I'm even interested to know what our listeners like to play. Oh, like, yes. you know, is it Pictionary? Like, well, text us in on 0491064669. What are the games that you like to do in your home or, or, or with friends? What, what sort of things do you like doing? Not everyone's a puzzle person. I remember when we lived out in Burke, there was a lady that actually had all the puzzles that she had ever done, she had them hanging up on her wall. That, she was they were her it. pictures. It was so, special so she to would her. finish one puzzle, and then get, get it framed. hung up. Yep. And then, and then That's go and awesome. do, and do the next time. I'm still deciding if I'm going to do the same sort of thing with my thousand piece one that I've actually got because it's beautiful and colorful. But so my question to you and our listeners is what kind of games do you like? Is it Pictionary? Is it Scrabble? Is it chess? Is it like, what, what are you like? I'm, uh, my favorite games. Are quick and competitive. Oh, like that's that's what I'm about. Like like a, a card game that'll last for anything shorter than usually I'd say half an hour, forty minutes, something like that. I have well, actually, it's producer Shell. Her family are some of the most intense like gamers, like in terms of board games and oh, card she games. She and La, 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 love they, it. they live on games. But even like, so their, their son, Harley, I'm very good friends with one time. This is a couple of years ago now, but we played a board game that literally went for 14 hours. 14 there was, hours? There was a did group you not of, sleep or did a, you No, like... there was a group of eight of us and we started, it was a Sunday, we started oh, wow. early in the morning oh, and wow. went all the way through till like, we started at like 
8 a.m. Yeah. And we finished at like 10 p.m. Whoa. And it so was, my question is, did you actually finish the game or finished, did you guys just close and say, no, like, no, 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 this is enough? We finished. There were winners and losers. I think I finished. There was six, seven of us. I finished fourth. I, oh, it was my first time playing the game. Can you remember the name of the game? Uh, it was like, it was like a, oh, I forget the name. It was like a political strategy game. Oh, thing. wow. And the board's huge. Like we had a massive table, all these pieces. And basically, <laughs> this is the crazy thing. Everyone gets... Gets ten turns. Oh wow! Everyone gets ten turns. Oh wow! And so everyone, you would it would be two, turn one, and each one of us. Because, okay, but so the, the bigger whole, the team, the the longer it takes. Like the then, whole of game, like one turn would take over an hour because you're doing all this like political debate, and oh, like wow. you should align with me, and you should assign me, and, uh, and, and it's like it just is just so extensive like that. So that was really fun. But I think you'd have to be a real extrovert for that kind of. You'd game. have to be. You have to be into it, bro. You have to be about <laughs> it. And I was just learning on the fly, like. I was asking for a lot of advice, but usually I like short, punchy, and competitive because I I really like to I like to win. Like I I, I like yeah. to play games yeah. where it's like there's there's a there's a winner. So uh, <laughs> that, that that's my style. You know, you might be different. I I mean, there's heaps of different board games. I, I like playing collaborative ones and stuff as well. But I think my favorite ones it's like those kind of games where you you know, you're battling it out with someone and whoever wins is like oh you know everyone gets super <laughs> hyped it. like that kind of stuff. Yeah yeah no great stuff. And Christmas time is a great time for people to come together. So yeah, text us in. Let let us know what is your favorite game what is your favorite board game yeah. or other game like you know is a very popular one mm. that's a card game that you know can attract lots of different people and can go for hours as well too depending on True. how much people are enjoying that <laughs> yeah. and how competitive people are and how many rounds you want to have what's but, your favorite well debater? i do like you know i do like pictionary as well oh pictionary yeah. cool. charades like those kinds uh, of not ones? so much charades but okay. definitely pictionary right. because right. you right. know then then especially when you have it in the groups and the all play part is just really good like when yeah. when each team has got to play off each other yeah. you know rather than you're just doing it to the one that's on your team or something like yeah. that so yeah I, I mean Pictionary is a really good one and I, I, I just remember years ago um, you know I was playing it with some friends and there was a husband and wife that were playing and he would barely draw or she would barely draw a line and he knew the answer. That was like, just telepathy, it was just marriage. Like, it was crazy. I was just know? like, how did you get it from that? That's like, you wild. Know, so, oh, dude. Yeah, just really wild stuff. Yeah. I know a game similar to Pictionary. It's called Game of Things. And it's one of my favorite ones because basically you say things that look like a cat. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then everyone will write something or draw something. And then you have to guess who drew it. And it's like, I, I, I like that game because it really brings the group together and everyone's yeah, trying to work nice. out like, oh, what's your style? What's your style? And it's like, it's like a great icebreaker game. Like if you've never met people and you're like, all right, let's play this game. And then by the end, if you play for like an hour, you go through some rounds. It's you like, I kind of know this person okay. now. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. Oh, great, great, great stuff. Awesome. Hey, how good was also Melody Tan's um, interview yeah. on Mums at the Table. We want to encourage our listeners to go to mumsatthetable.com. I've just looked up even about mothers groups here and it says, I love, I love that this beautiful picture of about six, seven women together. Meet other mums, join a local Mums at the Table Facebook group. Um, so just, just go into that, look at some of the recipes that some of the mums have actually put up. They also has got, got here the mums who, who mm. actually play, who plays. Of course, play is really important for, uh, child development in every way, psychological 
psychologically with their speech and language development, which of course is one of my favorite areas given I was a speech pathologist. Yeah. Um, but also just for their overall development and well-being. So the three areas to go to is the website. There's also the online, online peer support on Facebook. And then there's also the face-to-face, um, local groups that you can actually be part of. And I love the fact too that mm. Melody said, you know, self-care means that you can then be more present for your child as well. So join up with other mums. I've heard fantastic reports from other mums who've actually really benefited from, from that as well. Mm. Hey, it's come time for our Bible study time today. We've been looking at Mission to the Needy this week. How good has this been? Oh, it's been awesome. And I feel like it's incredibly eye-opening. I think that the Mission to the Needy is something that is proliferated in the Christian community. It's very famous. I mean, there are whole denominations in Christianity that are known for this very thing. I think the obvious one to me is like Salvation Army and whatnot. But I think every single church denomination and branch has some kind of work that they do with those in need. I know for the Seventh-day Adventist Church, whether it's ADRA or whether it's um, Adventist food, Community food Services. Food Hub is a big one as well. Food Hub, yeah. Mm. I know some yeah, some fantastic um, food hubs where they're doing you know, $5 for or like a trolley full of groceries, mm. like these kinds of things where it's just really, really supporting those who are in need. And we, we know that these ministries run. We know that they're important. We know, I think we know that Jesus even commands us to it. We know when the Bible says like, true religion is this, you know, helping the widows and helping yeah. the orphaned. And the poor. We, we know these things, but it's, it's fantastic that we can really dive into some practical aspects, some theological aspects, and also some aspects regarding motivation as well what we've seen this week as like this is also not just a fantastic tool of helping people but a fantastic tool to lead people to Christ. Absolutely. And then when we're the hands and feet of Jesus, you know, mm. and with the heart of Jesus to people, when he leads us to them, uh, there's beautiful things. I just love the joy that, that you see on people's faces when you know that God has used you to make a difference in somebody's life. That is really important, isn't it, in every way. But to see that when people can move from a difficult situation to a much better situation in every way. And, and that's one of the beautiful things when we actually help the needy those who are need in different ways. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Connect with us on 0491-064-669. And so this morning we're going to our passage in Matthew chapter 25 mm-hmm. and we're going to look at verses 34 to 40. Matthew 25, verse 34 to 40. And of course, this is the passage that is in, that Jesus is, 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 it's actually Jesus's words. In mm. my Bible, of course, I have written in red the, the words that are the ones that Jesus actually spoke. Mm. And when you actually go through Matthew, there's so many parts that, that Jesus actually spoke. But in this section, really from chapter 23, 24 and 25, especially, a little bit in 26, but that, that chunk right there, those three chapters have a lot of Jesus speaking himself. Yeah. I think it would have been amazing to live in the times when Jesus lived. Yeah, absolutely. To actually hear him just pouring out from the heart and just teaching people, but actually, like, uh, one of the hard things would have been to be corrected. Mm. Don't you think? Like, to be going like, hey, this is not the way. Yeah. Like, and yet you've always known that. And that's one of the things too, isn't it? That when we come to Jesus, there's so much things from our past that 
God wants us to be refined in. And I think this yeah. is one of the areas that God keeps refining us in is how do we reach out to those who are in need? What do we keep doing? How do we show, um, you know, the compassionate and love of Jesus? So let's read yeah. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 34 to verse 40. Yeah, and this is like a very hard section of teaching for oh, Jesus. Like, yes. Because it ultimately, this... He's teaching in 23, but it's when he comes to 24, at the beginning of 24, because he asserts in 23 that, like, the temple will be destroyed. Yeah, yeah, which we were referring to a bit earlier today, too. And we also see there, you know, there's that scene where Jesus is is crying and and weeping and lamenting over Israel and their rejection of God. Yes. Like, how I wanted to gather you up. Absolutely. It's all happening around this time. And then we come to 24 and the disciples actually take the disciples, take Jesus to the top of the Mount of Olives and they're mm. looking at the temple and they're like, Jesus, isn't this like beautiful and nice? Mm. And, the, and Jesus is like, no, nah, it's going to be destroyed. It's gonna and be then destroyed. Jesus yeah, yeah. just goes, he says, no, like this is going to pass away. This is going to be destroyed. He goes into Matthew 24 teaching about the end of times. Like, And 24, we see the signs of the times and he's getting into like, these are the things that are going to happen. This is the way that people are going to be destroyed. This is the way that people will be, you know, unfaithful and whatnot. And then I think when we come to 25, he gets into the essence of people's attitudes towards the times and and the parables of the signs of the times and it's like okay the signs of the time it's like 24 these are the events 25 this is this is the attitudes of the people and i love what you're saying with that and when we look at 24 too here's the interesting thing is that like you said the disciples thought it was literal when he was mm. saying that. But throughout 24, you've actually got to really look at c- carefully because it's actually mm. got mm-hmm. this interaction. One moment he's actually speaking in the literal sense and one moment he's speaking about the signs of the times, you know, mm. and, and looking to the future. And, of course, that is in reference to what's called the parousia, so to his second coming, of yeah. course, which is powerful. So then here this passage also refers to that end time thing, doesn't it? Yeah. And, we and come, yeah. So, oh, I was oh. just going to say, like, and what makes that very clear is like verse 24 kind of ends off with again i think chapter 24 chapter 24 i should say um again jesus is talking about prophetic events but chapter 25 we go immediately into a parable and a a parable straight away of the foolish wise and foolish virgins yeah Yeah, jesus is like i want to speak to a heart i want to speak it's like before i was speaking to events now i want to speak to your heart that's right that's where jesus is at. yeah yeah absolutely and then he goes to the parable of the talents as well and now what we're actually looking at the son of man judging the nations which is really interesting concept but Mm. it all relates to this whole thing of the end times and the second coming yeah of course so we're going to pick it up in verse 34 and where the actually we could even pick it up from 31 31. i think let's do that yeah 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 for sure when the son of man comes in his glory this is verse 31 and all the holy angels with him then he will sit on the throne of his glory all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats, and he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For as I was hungry, you gave me food. Mm. And when I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in, and I was naked. And you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. And I was in prison and you came to me. Mm, Powerful passage. Let's unpack this idea first. Like 
this, what Jesus is saying here, basically describing to them like one of the key aspects. And I would say the litmus test Mm -hmm. of your state before God Mm -hmm. is your compassion towards people. Mm. And, and again, I think this is so clear what Jesus isn't saying here is you're saved because he did a bunch of nice things. Mm-hmm. Because it's clear when the thief of the cross, when the thief is hanging on the cross beside Jesus, like he had no time or ability to do any nice things. Mm. Yet Jesus assures him he's saved because of his repentance mm. and because of his belief in Jesus. But as we have opportunity to live the Christian life, the litmus test of that change of heart. And again, if life had it continued for the thief, that he had great potential to go and to do amazing things and to reach to people. Uh, and absolutely. But that litmus test is our compassion. Well, firstly, well, Jesus is saying towards me, and he gives a bunch of these examples here, and he says, like, you know, you visited me in prison, and you helped me when I was a stranger, and you helped me when I was sick and poor and naked and hungry. And, you know, then he makes a contrast here. It says, and then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you a mm-hmm. drink? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's a fair enough question. It's like, God, like, aren't you the God in heaven? Like, mm-hmm. aren't you, you know. And, aren't you capable of having everything? Yeah, that's right. And then we see in verse 38, when did we see you as a stranger and take you in? When did we see you naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it for one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Mm, powerful. That's like a punch between the eyes, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> as in like, you know, hey, do you get that? This is what this means to the least yeah. of these, as in those that typically you would not mix around with mm. or to, or typically you know, are in just massive need. They're in a vulnerable situation and you have not thought of yourself as better than anyone else. You have seen yourself as yeah. equal to them because God has created us equally, but then you have bestowed the love upon them and compassion and care upon them because this is all about care. Yeah. But it's all because of Jesus, because of ourselves, our sinful nature is that we are selfish. Yeah. That we are selfish, but it's only when we are in Jesus and we have that true transformation and that living relationship with him that we are able to do that. And here's the interesting thing is that he says, you know, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And I, let's, let's actually also go to Matthew 26, 11, because basically it's saying here that, um, that the least of these are always with us. You know, mm. they're actually always around with us. So Matthew 26, 11 is just over the page here. Yeah. Have you got it? The Bible says, for you have the poor with you always, uh-huh. but me, you do not always have. It. And I, this is, oh, this is, like such a such a good point that Jesus is making in the previous passage and now mm. is that well here he makes a because this is the the anointing in Bethany the alabaster box and whatnot mm-hmm. and Jesus makes makes it very clear he says like okay like I am of kingly royalty and of king he, Jesus in a monarch in the most true sense you know there's no changing of lineage in terms of you know Jesus of the monarchy of heaven like Jesus is like I am the true king mm. and as the true king and and it's so clear like 
and what he's saying before, it's like, oh, the king expects that you should treat people, all people this way. But the reason you would treat the king that way is because the king deserves it, right? Mm. Like the king, he's in the position, he's running the nation, he's running the country. He deserves the best. He, The king deserves the best of the food. He deserves to be looked after. He deserves to be revered and respected mm. and all these things mm-hmm. because he's the king. Mm. And, and Jesus makes it clear, like, okay, you should treat me that way because I'm the king. But what the point that he's making, like, so clearly in this parable is, like, it's also, it's, it's in my vested interest, it's my want that you don't just treat me well because I'm a king, but regardless of status, you, Rich, tr- oh, you treat those that. who aren't me, you treat those in the world the exact same way. Absolutely. I, I, say, I love what that line you said, regardless of status. Yeah. Regardless of status, because in Jesus' eyes, there is no status for mm. anyone. And like you say, he was the king. He was the one that could, you know, right. deserved all honor and everything. But then he didn't say, he didn't expect anything different. He's just like, I am giving to you, follow the way that I do it in yep. the same way. I'm modeling it for you. You do the same. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Listening to the breakfast show with Danuta and Lawson. It's come time for our last quiz question, please, before we continue our Bible study time. Yeah, last quiz question here this morning. Simply this How many years did the Jews tell Jesus it took to build the temple? 0491 064 How many years did the Jews tell Jesus it took to build the temple? Now, this is actually a super important piece of Bible trivia. It actually helps us to prove the age of Jesus and prove the birth time of Jesus because we actually know from this information that Jesus was actually before he was born in like four BC. They got the that that date. That that bit wrong. A little bit wrong. But hey if you know how many years that the Jews told Jesus it took to build the temple, then 0491-064-669. That is the number to text. And if you text that number with the correct answer, go into the draw to win one of two amazing puzzles that we are giving away this week. So we'll have two winners tomorrow as a result of the draw. And to get into the draw, again, 0491-064-669. How many years did the Jews tell Jesus it took to build the temple? Yeah, so we're continuing with our Bible study time. Today we're looking at help to the hurting. We've mm. been unpacking Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 40, and looking at the fact that, you know, Jesus says that the Son of Man will come in his glory, and then all, all the nations will then be gathered before him, and he'll separate them one, to the, one from the other as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. But then it also says, you know, um, further on that it says, For I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty and you gave me drink and you took me in, you know, when I was in prison, you visited me and, and they asked him, you know, and you know, when did we, when would, when did we do that? Mm. And basically the, the king will answer them. Verse 40 says, as surely I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it mm. to me. And of course, then we actually read Matthew twenty six eleven that he says, you know, these you will always have, uh, for you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. And that's why he's saying, you know, through, as you, as you do it to them, you do it to me. And I think it's really interesting. We don't have the time to unpack this part, but I just want to touch on it really briefly because we're actually talking about reaching out to, but, but some, some would say, okay, so, you know, why does he separate the sheep? What, what's this whole thing about the sheep and the goats? Oh, yeah. 
And he's saying that, um, and through this, he's actually, through this separation, he's then saying this is, this is important, reaching out to the least of these, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so the sheep and the goats in the Mediterranean area, even these days, the sheep and the goats are actually herded together, right? The shepherd actually typically has them together because they're actually, you know, the same size, they kind of all look similar and what sort of thing. But at night time, they get separated. Uh-huh. Okay. What's that? But so the so because the goats actually prefer the warmth more than the sheep. Ah. Okay, so the goats actually yeah, it's not like they kind of I mean they're together through the day. So even when we're in Israel, you'd see um, some of the um, Bedouins actually having you know the, the shepherd bed, the Bedouins actually having the sheep and the goats together. Interestingly, mm. but they get separated separated at night time because the goats prefer you know need the warmth more than than the than the sheep do. Mm. And so here's the thing. The separation also is just indicative of the fact that there are some, you know, who actually follow God's ways and who don't. And so this is actually referring to the judgment, which we don't have time to unpack, you know, hugely. But, you know, the Bible speaks of a pre-Advent judgment before Jesus comes. But, you know, hear what Jesus is saying. Well, how, you know, how do we know some of this too of how to be separate, you know, that separation then occurs? It's actually... When we actually do things for the least of these, it's our indica- our outward expression of our inner heart, mm. of our inner heart, of what Jesus yeah. means to us and how we've been transformed mm. and how we've been transformed and the fact that we're thinking of others rather than ourselves, that we're not thinking of ourselves being dirty or getting our hands dirty in different ways. And I remember my mum in Poland, actually, she said there was this young girl at school that none of the kids wanted to sit near or associate with because of the illness that, that she had. There was a uh, bad skin condition and, of course, so you know, wrong. it was a catchy thing, similar to what, you know, leprosy was like, uh, you know, yeah. in, um, in, in the days of the Bible. And so, but mum actually was, became her good friend and she would actually mingle with her. And I thought that's the heart of Jesus right there. Mm. You know, and so we see this in verse 40. It says, the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I said, in as much as you do it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So that when we're actually giving out clothes, when we're actually taking in somebody into the home that is home, you know, maybe homeless or just needs a place to stay for a short period of time, all of those kind of things are, you know, what Jesus is speaking about. Yeah. And of course, the judgment, guys, is all about who you know. And it, 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 this is so, so And Jesus key. is on our side. That's a, hey, G, it's all about who you know. And thankfully, God knows you. And the call that God gives us is to know him back, to live with him, to mm. have a life where you open your heart mm. up so that he can work. And it's amazing because the promised result of that, of Jesus working your heart, is that you become more kind, more compassionate. Uh, you oh. become someone who serves those who are the, the least of these, which is to the great benefit of people living on this earth. But furthermore, again, you have nothing to worry about. And, and that's the question. You know, I've, I've had conversations with, with this, with people about this in the past. Like, oh, how can people be lost? When, Yo. when this life is so hard and when it, it's like, do people even know they're doing the wrong thing? And I think that there's definitely some insight that the Bible gives us, you know, and even Paul, he says, oh, I'm fighting a war in myself. Like what I want to do, I do not do. And, and we understand the difficulty and Yo, the depth of, that's such a good passage, of, that of sin and whatnot. And, but at the end of the day, and, and firstly, the, 
one key statement again from the book of Romans, from Romans chapter two, is that God is a fair judge. Mm. God doesn't say you never had the opportunity to hear a Christian missionary or preacher. Therefore you're lost. Like, no, 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 no. God is a fair judge. He'll work in all of those situations. He is convicting. He is working in the heart. And this is the thing. When you genuinely believe that God is working in the heart, he's convicting. And again, what is the the method by which people are saved and by which people are judged? It's through responding to the goodness and the love of Jesus that mm. he has convicted you about. Mm-hmm. He has shown you. He's given you all opportunity to respond to you. He promised, respond to you with, he has also promises the power that supplements that decision oh, as well. Yeah, like it. he, it is a win-win-win situation. Yeah. And when we go as far as to not pick it, it's like, oh man, like the, it is simply a reflection that no matter if we were, if no matter if we had, you know, a, a, a condition that we have right now that we're stained by sin and we have a will bent towards sin, or we were perfect like Adam and Eve in the garden. Mm. What that communicates through our actions is that we would never want to know Jesus. Mm. And again, if we do good to Jesus, you know, if we respond to him in repentance, we've already done awful to Jesus. We have fallen short of God's love, his grace, like so many times, but we can respond and say, okay, Jesus, forgive me. I, I mm. choose you. And he will always, he will always, because he has already chosen us, he will always accept our repentance. Again, there comes a point in which there is just a time in which people won't repent. It comes to an end. Judgment is over. Salvation, because it's made sure, like, okay, this group of people, they have decided to give their lives to me Mm. in the most sure and obvious sense. This group of people Mm. have not. They've, mm. they've said, that is not something I want in any situation. No matter what state I'm in, I do not want to follow Jesus. And so because of that, yeah, there will be those who are saved and there will be those that are lost. And the message that we have to bring from this today is maybe you have been really discompassionate. I know I've been. Maybe you've been really awful to people. You've been a really cold, terrible, awful person. The great news is, is that Jesus loves you. He wants to give you, <laughs> he, he's calling you to receive grace, to repent, but to furthermore make you something better than than you are. Yes, you are awful. Yes, you've fallen short, but God wants to change you. No matter what you've done, no matter how you've fallen short, God is wanting to give you everything he possibly can to not only make you a better person today, but to make you a better person for the rest of eternity, to give you everything you could possibly need. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Positively Different Radio. You have questions you need answered? The popular question of the day segment has moved. Lyle Southwell will answer every Bible question you have on his new time spot Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Faith FM. During the Afternoons with Shell program. So send your questions to info at faithfm.com.au or text us at 4 to the breakfast show with Danuta and Lawson. It's come time for us to give our answers to the quiz questions. Boy, the shows just go way too fast, don't they? Absolutely way too fast. But we have a good time. We hope that you've been blessed today too. But take it away with our answers to our quiz questions. We've been having answers coming through and people want to know if they've got them right. Oh, of course. All right, our answers here. First one. 
Who was the Jewish leader who came to Jesus at night in John 3? That was none other than Nicodemus. What was his title? That was the second question here. He was a Pharisee or a member of the Jewish ruling council or the Sanhedrin. Uh, the next one here, when Jesus cleared the temple, what did he make out of cords? And he made a whip. He made a whip out of cords and he drove out the uh, those who were you know, dealing in the temple, those who were money changing and, and charging for sacrifices and whatnot. Next one here, when the Jews asked for a sign, Jesus said he would raise up an, a destroyed temple in how many days? And the answer to that one is three. And then finally, how many years did the Jews tell Jesus it took to build the temple? And the answer to that one was 46 years. Now, there's a bit of a theme here. And the theme is that at first it was John 3. But then the next question's here from John 2. So it's like we're talking early chapters of John. Because I think it's it's John chapter 2 when he, he did like the... The first, the, the last couple answers, John yeah, chapter yeah. three, the first couple yeah, answers. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So he does a miracle in Cana and then is this bit where he talks, you goes know, to it, goes, goes to the temple and then with Nicodemus. I love the story of Nicodemus too because, yes, he comes to Jesus and then you see this whole story. You know, the other day we said about how John is about um, Jesus doing replacement and recreation. Mm. And that's exactly what happens here with Nicodemus. Nicodemus actually asks him, he says, most, you know, um, you know, what shall I, what are the signs? Uh, how does he say, uh, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one do these signs that you, unless God is in him. Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot sing the kingdom of heaven. Mm. And so, um, you know, here, right, right here, we actually see that whole thing of being, then he says, unless they're born of the water and the spirit cannot enter the kingdom. So here it's, it's about that heart change, that full change of coming to Jesus. Yeah. And also, you know, the, the outpouring of the spirit as well as, um, you know, baptism and things like that. But the beautiful thing is, Nicodemus is then at the foot of the cross of Jesus. Yeah. We actually see that. Can I read that? Because I know you're busting to say something else oh, too. Oh, mate. Get but, you know, us. Nicodemus, of course, we read about him in John 19, verse 39. It says, And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes after a hundred pounds. Dude. And they took him to the body. Took, they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with spices and the custom of the Jews as to bury. And then, so yeah, they it was there at the at at the, the death of Jesus and at the burial of Jesus. You know, just yeah. love the fact that there was this huge transformation. He wasn't like. You know, oh, I can't, you know, he came at night the first time. Yeah. Now he's just like, I don't care. I've given my heart to Jesus. I, oh, I'm just doing from the heart what I want to do. Nicodemus was deeply affected by status. And, deeply. And he very much cared about things along that way. But we see that he experiences this transformation. And it's it's also, you could you could theorize, biblically theorize, because he was a member of the Sanhedrin. And mm. who else was a member of the Sanhedrin? None other than Joseph of Arimathea. Mm. It's likely that Nicodemus evangelized to Joseph. Mm. And Joseph became also a follower of Jesus. And very much, well, it was in Joseph's tomb that Jesus was buried, mm. but he was also super rich. Like mm. members of the Sanhedrin mm. were like the billionaires of their time. Mm-hmm. And particularly Jerusalem had a huge economy. Like this is one of the biggest city economies in the Roman world of the time because of how popular the temple was. Mm. These guys were legit. Like the these Sanhedrin members, they were 
ridiculously wealthy and their wealth, their influence would have done so much to benefit the disciples and the movement. And, but that would have come with just what a, a, an extreme humbling that that would have taken for Nicodemus. And oh, it's actually, yeah, yeah. It's actually like I have at times been critical of the chosen TV show, but I actually really appreciate the scene where Jesus and Nicodemus chat. And I, I, I think it really gets to the heart of Nicodemus coming as this religious ruler, but hey, wants to investigate this, some things, you know, some compassion to the situation going on. But you see Nicodemus, he's like, oh, but, you know, I'm a ruler. But Nicodemus, he realizes like Jesus is the son of God. I am in a deep, deep need to follow him. Yeah. Just beautiful. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. We've come towards the end of our show far too fast, Mm. but we're going to have our giveaway. So get ready to text in the book, uh, the word book shortly on 0491064669. A promise here for us for today about God's presence bringing us joy. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Mm. You make known to me the path of life. And I just do love that when we give our heart to Jesus, he gives us direction and purpose in life. Love it. Okay, Lawson, what is our free giveaway today? Oh, man, I, I don't know. I just... I was thinking about it. I was thinking, oh, what do I want to give away? I was thinking about Nicodemus and whatnot. But uh-huh. recently, I have just been like really into discussing and exploring things regarding creation. And so I wanted to give something along those lines and, you know, something very insightful and interesting for people to get. I've got a book here. It's by Leonard Brand. It's Genesis and Science. Where is the evidence going? And we had a fantastic Mm. conversation last time we had guys from CMI or Creation Ministries International on our show about this whole idea of where is the evidence going and all we can do is observe the evidence and then use the evidence to try and create a system of interpretation to be able to you know really understand what's there and i think that there is fantastic insight into how we can see the evidence of the geological and the natural world pointing to a creator God. If you want this, just text book to 0491-064-669. And remember to talk faith, live faith, and act faith. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.